You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. Go ahead and open up to the book of Philippians today, please. I am more aware today than I ever have been in my walk with God. And our walk with God is experiential. It is. Our walk with God is experiential. It's transformational. It's encounter. It's it's goodness. It's love. It's blessing. It's all of these things. But I am more aware today of what it means to live out of the blessing of God and out of the love of God and how the blessing of God and the love of God work together bringing a fruitfulness in my life that I get to live out of. And so I kind of want to talk about some of those things today and, 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 and try, to, try to help us understand how blessing and God's amazing love brings a transformation into our lives that we can't get to any other way. It's not available through some other gate. It is His amazing love and goodness for you. That makes you alive, fully alive. Amen. And so I want you to focus on that, okay? I want, you to, I want you to really posture your heart to go, wait a sec, does he really love me this much? More. Is he really this good? Yes, he is. Is, it, is it really that he wants to help me in my life to such a degree that I can become and step into a freedom and become everything in this world that he wants me to be? And the answer is Yes. The answer is yes. yes. It's not even kind of a maybe a no, it's yes. And we have to really partner with that in the belief system. We have to, that, that is our belief system. Why? Because there's not another gospel. That's the gospel. All right. So let's just read from, from first Philipp, uh, Philippians. And uh, I'm going to. Just go partially through it, and we'll, we're just going to dissect this, and we're going to step into some things, okay? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers, the deacons, uh, with the overseers and deacons. Number, verse number two, grace and peace to you from God our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm going to go a little deeper into some of this stuff, but I, I just want to emphasize that. I thank my God. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, 
that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and you may be pure and blameless unto the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. You've got a couple things that are going on there, and I want to just step back for a minute and just kind of talk about those. If, if you study the epistles, particularly Paul's writings, um, you will, in just a brief study, I just went through it, the, you know, and just did a quick study, but there's basically 40 different, 42 different prayers that Paul prays throughout the epistles. 42. Some of those is what I classify as apostolic prayers, even though he's the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles, which totally blows my mind. You know, <laughs> Peter was the Apostle to the Jews, and Paul was the Apostle to the Gentiles. So here's Israel, and there's the whole rest of the world. Um, but, but he's got two prayers that happen right there at the very beginning. Okay? So one of them is a prayer where he is functionally asking God, to do things on behalf of, of the situation that is going on. The other one is what I classify as an apostolic prayer. He is releasing something from heaven that is alive in him for everybody else to feed and grow on. Amen. He's also releasing it right then because he is trying to bring them into a belief system through that prayer that helps them start to grow in what he's about to speak about. Okay? But the prayer is awesome. The prayer is awesome. So it's the apostolic prayer that I want to I focus on. All right? But let's just start with the very beginning. And, and, and when we're dissecting some of Paul's writings, I want to I, I bring a couple things to light. And just real quick, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, I would encourage you strongly, I would encourage you to really, when you're reading Scripture, understand the introduction and why Paul is designating certain things to the way he is. For instance, and let's just take the book of Philemon, Paul says, I am a prisoner of Christ. He is talking to Philemon about him actually releasing somebody, and Paul is in Christ asking him, or in prison, asking him to release somebody. He, nothing he is doing in his, his opening greeting isn't just saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Paul or I'm the apostle of the Gentiles or whatever. He's actually saying, no, I, I, I need you to understand something because I'm about to release something into your life that is going to be beneficial to you to help you grow and become mature and to, 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 to step into everything that God has for you. Okay? Amen. So he says, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ. Now, Paul is in jail while he's writing this. He is not necessarily trying to release apostolic, um, and I want to be careful with that word behavior because it can be, it has been misused, but, but he, is, he is trying to really say it a posture of heart in, in full humility, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Humility is beautiful in God. It'll bring so much rest to your life. Like, uh, I, mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm scratching that iceberg and I'm finally starting to step into beautiful humility and I'm starting to realize, wait a sec, man, I, there's a lot of rest in this. I don't, I don't have to carry around like so much that I thought I used to have to carry, right? 
To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, they were a real church, people. He was talking to a body of believers. And if you go back and read the, the, the story of Acts where, where this church was birthed, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. But, but he is absolutely seeing the work of God. Paul had an ability to, um, or he knew anyway, let's put it that way, uh, whenever he would go, because he was preaching the gospel everywhere he went to whoever would hear it. But he could recognize when the power of God would land in certain places with a certain group of people and it, power would come up. He recognized the, the move of the Holy Spirit and he would know intuitively, okay, God's doing something here and heaven is moving and Mike Barr, Paul, needs to partner with that and step into it. Okay? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is really something that you see in almost every epistle, and I want to posture your hearts right to be able to understand how powerful just that one sentence really is. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Why is that so profound? Because you have to understand that even though Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles, what he was doing is, and it was always first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. Salvation came from the Jews, right? But Paul always had a mixture of people who were converting out of Judaism, always having a portion of, of the church plants that he was working in that were Gentile, and the Gentile people may not have really understood what it meant to hear that. The Jews did. What do you mean, grace and peace to you from God? You see, because in the Old Testament, there was always a cause and effect. Disobedience brought judgment. Disobedience brought wrath. Disobedience brought problems. Paul is saying we are now ministering out of a kingdom that has come and everything that we are ministering out of is grace and peace to you from God the Father. This would have been a very profound statement, a life-changing statement to anybody who was raised under Jewish heritage and culture. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ. The second thing I want to talk about and bring out and enlighten about that statement is that you have to grab a hold of the authority that was given to the firstborn church. He wasn't just simply saying grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He was apostolically declaring God has allowed us, the firstborn church, to be a releaser of grace and peace to you from God the Father. Amen. The church is the very vehicle that God created and has established and formed and is grooming and is continuing to groom and is continuing to increase and is continuing to raise up to be an agent that releases grace and peace on the earth and reconciliation of man back to God. Amen. That's good news by itself. Amen? Amen. I just love that. I thank God. I thank my God. I have a God. 
I have a God. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you because I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Man, is he talking about family? We talked about family. That was part of it. That was part of it. Like, it is true. And I could go back through the whole biblical narrative of what God was doing, but his heart was always to reclaim his family. That is start to finish in the biblical narrative. Okay? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There is a good work that Paul says God is going to do in the life of every believer who steps into that, that understanding that Jesus really is the Christ. And as we step into that understanding, there's a release of grace from heaven that transforms us, that makes us alive, it makes us beautiful. It changes us from the inside out. It starts recalibrating our thinking and, and starts helping us with our motives and our ambitions and our desires. And we start suddenly start seeing things in a different light. And the righteousness of God comes alive and righteousness starts helping us understand, wait, that's not what I should be doing. Wait, this is where I should be going. Wait, this is more Christ-like character. I need the righteousness of God. We need the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's a work that heaven is doing in all of us. Why? Because you're salt and light. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, whether Paul was in jail, and if you go on to read, I didn't read that portion of it, but he appears to actually be in a life or death situation. And more than likely, jail in this time, okay, was always a life or death situation, Rulers could just do whatever they felt like doing at the time they wanted to do it, okay? And I'm not saying that I feel like Paul was in fear of his life, like it was eminent in this particular epistle, but clearly he talks about death is out there. I don't think his affection for people, the love that was so deep in his heart for people was coming out of a fear. I think he really had that affection for people. And he was saying it to him. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless unto the day of Christ. There it is again, that day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I was reading this scripture a couple weeks ago, and all of a sudden that word pure just kind of seemed to stick out at me. And, and I don't read Greek. I'm not trying to be that theologically deep with the Greek manuscript, okay? But I do study Greek often when I'm when I'm studying scripture, because I really want to know the different words and what the intent of the different words are saying so that I can be as fully alive through scripture as I possibly can. Okay, there's a website called BibleHub.com. 
I recommend everybody, if you want to study scripture, go to it. It has parallel uh, scriptures, so all the translations. It's got commentaries. It's got Greek. It's got the strongest concordance. It's a one-stop shop for, for at least to be able to get a grid on what scripture is saying. And it was the word pure that jumped out at me this time. And I just felt like, I don't know, I just felt like maybe I should step into that. Because what was it about the purity of God? And this is where I'm going to go with the blessing part. Because I have been praying the blessings of God. I happened to go back. And I I don't know why I did it. But maybe about a month and a half ago. And I preached very early in the year. And I had a prophetic word burning in me about how 2021 was going to be. And for some reason, I went back and I just felt like going back and uh, listening to it. And the anointing that I felt burning in my bones while I was up here preaching it, I was sitting in my office and I was just as pumped up about the year 2021 as I was the day I was up here preaching it. And all of a sudden I started to realize like, man, we can be that alive in Christ. But in that sermon, I talked about how God, at the end of 2020, really impressed upon me about the difference of living out of sanctification versus blessing. Okay, now those two things are very intertwined, so I don't want to get weird about that, okay? But, but God has been taking me on a journey this whole year about living out of his blessing, his goodness, his love his amazing grace, and his amazing mercy. I want you to notice something. And if you want to do your own study, you can. I would encourage it. Let me just read the prayer again. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. I want you to notice something, okay? Notice it doesn't say you're going to get there through repentance. Mic drop. You're talking to somebody that absolutely understands and believes in the repentant heart. And I am not, don't stone me like, I am not suggesting that Repentance is not a part of the Christian walk. Tuesday morning, I repented for something that I did on Monday, and the Lord showed me, and it was an authentic, I blew it. Okay? But I'm telling you that there's a growth in Christ that heaven wants to release in you, and it's not going to come by you trying to figure out what the ugliness inside of you is, but rather what the love of God really will do in your life there is a growth that God wants to bring into your life I mentioned the 42 prayers when I went back and studied the 42 prayers I noticed that not one time in the prayers he did talk about forgiveness in one of them but not in one of them did he actually talk about repentance now before you get I don't want to go down some some road okay and I want you to understand my heart There have been times where I've noticed where, where, and it'll be all over social media, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and you know what I mean? That's an amazing scripture and whatnot. But, but there was this season 
where God started impressing upon me another thing, another something or other in here that started coming alive. It started taking root and it started doing something. And I started recognizing and all of a sudden there was one scripture in John chapter 15, which is John 13, 14, 15, 16 and 17 are absolutely amazing. They're mind blowing. And the gospel of John is mind blowing. But those those chapters just are radically life-changing if you want to step in and grow into the amazing goodness and glory of God, right? But I noticed where he says, I have, you are clean because of the word I've spoken over you. And when I started thinking about that, I went back and did a word search study and I went back and did it in the Greek. I went back and maybe you can find it, but I didn't. And the word repentance is never even in the gospel of John. It's not in 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John. I'm not preaching some weird gospel to you. Sin will separate you from heaven forever and hell is real. Amen. It's wicked. For the wages of sin. Okay. Now, I don't want to get also down too far of a road on that because the book of James is really a book about real repentance. And that word metanoia is not in there either. So I don't want to go down too strange and, and, and project something that isn't an authentic gospel. What I want to do is license and set you free to go be as free as he is because here is a man that is in jail and he's looking at maybe a death sentence and I have a feeling that he was more free than anybody else he was actually writing the epistle to. He was free in here. And because he was so free in here, due to the love of God, because he knows that the love of God cannot, <laughs> he will never be separated from it. And it's so transformative and it's so powerful in our lives that he was saying to them, I want to get you out of your jail. Amen. Wait a sec, I need to be connected to the vine. I want to be that free. I want to be set free to that degree. I want to go live in that gospel. So let's talk about the blessings. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Of course, the Sermon on the Mount is amazing, and, and the Beatitudes are just amazing. And in the Old Testament, everything is about physical realities that are going to transfer into spiritual truths. And so God gives us physical realities in the Old Testament to show us and reveal spiritual truths in the New Testament. Um, and, and so blessing often came through physical ways, right? And blessing is, can, and I... I speak blessings in physical ways over every one of us right now in the name of Jesus. But when you read the Beatitudes, it's all about the heart. It's all about being fulfilled, fulfilled at the heart level to be fully alive in Christ Jesus. So that as we navigate the circumstances of our life or we navigate the problems that we encounter and we all have to navigate and we all, we all I don't want to say have to, but we all will encounter we're living out of a different posture. How else do you become salt and light? He doesn't say partially salt, partially light. He doesn't say three quarters salt and 90% light. He says salt and light. 
The transformational work of the love of God is so powerful inside the life of the believer that you come alive to such a degree that you are operating out of something else. That's the work of God that Paul is writing about when he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion of Christ Jesus. All right. So, as God has been helping me understand what it means to live out of blessing, to truly understand his blessing and to live out of his blessing, I've been praying God's blessing over certain things in me. I've been asking God to bless my intelligence. I've been asking God to bless my thoughts. I've been asking God to bless my memory. I've been asking God to bless my will. I've been asking God to bless my emotions. I've been asking God to bless my speech. I've been asking God to bless my words. I've been asking God to bless my immune system. As I said, God is taking me down a road, and here is the thing. It is knowledge in Christ, but it's revealed knowledge in Christ. And I, I repeat this often, but it's so true. Paul said, I know a man 14 years ago who's caught up into the third heaven. He was releasing a kingdom and teaching about a kingdom and ministering out of a kingdom that happened through an experience. Our life and our growth in Christ is an experiential one. Okay? And so... As I've gone down this prayer life of asking God to bless these things in me, there's some things that I just want to highlight about the blessings of God. And, and because we may have a one-dimensional look at, at actually what it means to actually live out of the blessings of heaven. This is why it's so important to understand grace and peace to you from God the Father. This is how you start to step into the fact that God really is love. All right. Some things that I would say about the blessings of God. They are life-giving. They are nothing but life. They are full of life, which means they're healing, which means they're redemptive, which means they're restorative, which means they, they bring alive. They are resurrection power. They are alive themselves. So when you're asking the blessings of God to rest on something, you're asking him to make it fully healed, fully alive. And that's what the blessings of God do. He doesn't have any death in him to offer you. He doesn't have any death in him to offer you. So when you're asking him, and why can you just go to him and ask, Lord, would you please bless my memory? And I'm going to go into why I'm saying that one. Would you please bless my memory? Because he loves me and he's good. Amen. And I know that God is the one that's going to show up. The blessings of God are assuring. They have a voice. The blessings of God have a way of speaking to you through presence, through assurance of heart, through the Holy Spirit, alive inside of you, is saying, I am for you and I am with you. Amen. 
The blessings of God are complete. They lack nothing. They are full. So when you are asking God for his blessings to land on something in your life that you are struggling with, I'm learning to really stop trying to face what I'm struggling with and ask God's blessing to land on what it is because I want the life empowering. I want the assurance of heaven. I want the aliveness. I want the complete um, uh, counsel of God to land on it. It's equipping. It's imparting things that you don't even need you know. You're talking about an omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient God (laughs) who is radically in love with you. It's empowering. It strengthens you in all areas, including the areas that seem to need it the most. You might be coming to God out of lack, asking his blessing to be on part of it, but he's landing on all of it. That's what good fathers do. His timing is perfect. It's exactly what you need, how you need it, and when you need it. So here's what I would suggest. Always, in, and I'm just giving you the areas that I've been asking for God to bless, but always put those needs before him But then let God be God and do the work. You just be faithful and steward well whatever it is he's doing or whatever it is he's put in front of you. And in faith, you stand there and walk it out. Doesn't mean you're going to see a change right away. You will, though. You will. And Of course, I love this one. We started with the word pure. It's pure. It's always holy, and it's always cleansing. So let's just talk about my memory for a minute, okay? I noticed that I'm a heart patient, and I'm on medications, and I noticed a couple years ago that my my memory just didn't seem to be what what it used to be, and I was having a hard time remembering certain details, and it was kind of like, all right, like this is just not, I don't know what's going on. Started doing some research, apparently maybe statins, okay, could be a reason as to why that is. And, and so I backed off of statins, got with my doctor, we're working on other, you know, medicines that apparently don't work as well, but they're not a statin, right? And, and I still didn't feel like I was coming into this. So I started asking the blessings of God to land on my memory because I was really wanting my memory to start coming alive and asking God to help me with my memory so that I could remember things better. I want to be sharp. I don't want to be some old guy. <laughs> like, man, I'm 52 years old. Come on. <laughs> but, but here's what I started to learn. It wasn't just that that God began helping me with. He started bringing things to my memory that were good, that were amazing about my childhood, that brought me into a place of connection with people. And I started to realize over a period of time that I wasn't remembering some of the stuff that I used to seem to kind of remember. 
Because the blessings of God are always pure. They're always holy. They're always cleansing. They're always life-giving. They're always healing. They're always redemptive. Y'all, that's amazing news. Okay. All right. So I talked about the fact that the word pure is the one that got me going down this road. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I noticed in this word, and I went ahead and, and did a word search study. I told you about the app that I go to that I've got on my phone. And, and I looked up the word pure, and I noticed that this word pure is only used twice in the Bible. And then I started kind of doing a search, and I started recognizing there were multiple Greek words in the Bible that were used for pure. First time I'd ever actually done a study on that word. And I went back and I realized that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That was a different word of pure. This was a whole different one. All right. Now, I didn't go because a lot of translations, I didn't go too far with this because a lot of translations might say pure, but maybe another translation says blameless or something like that. But I got at least three, two of which are out of the book of Philippians. And of course, I'm quoting Matthew uh, or the Beatitudes. Um, but, but it says, you will be able through the love of God, through the depth of his love for you, you will be able to discern, you will be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. So Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That, that Greek word is katharos, clean, pure, unstained. And this is the uh, uh, Strong's Concordance, unstained, either literally or ceremonially or spiritually, guiltless, innocent, upright. Sounds good. I'll take it. Praise God. All right. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, which is amazing, this is an amazing scripture, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That particular word in the Greek is hagnos, free from ceremonial defilement, holy, sacred. You are ceremonially clean. So the first two are similar, but not quite the same. The one in Philippians 10, talking about this amazing transformational love that you're only going to access into uh, this depth of Christ, is, and I'm going to say it, I like Renas, judged by sunlight, unalloyed, pure, properly, rightly judged because seen in full light, Figuratively judged in the rays of God's light with divine clarity, spiritual vision, which results in real insight, discernment. Sincere because transparent describes something proven because well examined, totally scrutinized, therefore certified as sincere. Heaven certifying as sincere inwardly pure naturally refers to something completely clear so free of undefilement or defilement that that heaven is you're transparent 
free from hypocrisy, deceit, wickedness, which stands in the full light of God's approval. Now do you see why Paul was trying to say until the day of Christ Jesus? That word is only used in one other place, and I won't go into that one, but that word carries a whole different connotation with it about how the power of God, the presence of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God, the blessing of God, the love of God comes alive in the life of the believer and does such a work in us, if we allow it to happen, if we actually partner with it deep in the heart level and go, I want that King Jesus. I want to go there. I want to be alive in that. If we partner with it, there is a purity of God that when he actually looks at us, his light, his goodness is alive in us. You want to know how to become salt and light? abound more and more in the knowledge of God and the insight of what it is to actually be that <laughs> loved and cherished by heaven. And now here's where I want to also just, just bring the, the end thing to it. Sometimes people, I think, actually, because the love doctrine has been so maybe misused, notice what he says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. Love and righteousness, and I've preached this before, but love and righteousness are so, they're almost inseparable. I would say they are inseparable. Yep. The beautiful love of God's, the beautiful love and the righteousness of God, they just are this. Yep. And he's saying the righteousness of God is going to be alive in you. So while I am going to caution us to not go down some weird road about not repenting or that's not part of the gospel or uh, be aware that the love doctrine has been abused and used and will be again. Okay? Paul's apostolic prayer to release something from heaven in earth in the life of those believers and the life of us was that there is a depth of God's love that will do such a purity of work in your life that the only result is you're going to be so alive in the righteousness of God's nature and character that you will operate completely, completely in something new. Y'all, I want this. I want this. This is something I want to live in. This is something I want to be a part of. <laughs> Chris is going to come up here, and, and, and I want you guys to stand, and I think there's something on this song. I want you to join in with this song in, in chorus with us, and I want you to release your faith and your heart, and let the love of God burn and breathe inside of you. Let the righteousness, let you ask, make it your prayer, God, fill me with your righteousness. Lord, take me into the depths of your love that abounds this way. Lord, I long to be pure, righteous, and holy before you. I long to be so clear before you because your light has judged me and found nothing. Wait, is that possible? Yes. I want you to be alive. I want you to be fully alive. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. 
Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.